Hello, Larry. Hello, Carl. Welcome back to A Life in Biography, Part 2. Good to be back again. Yes, okay. We're continuing with what we did last Monday, which was about your father, uh, Ross Lockridge Jr., Raintree County, your biography of your father. And as we said toward the end of the podcast, you also have become a novelist yourself. You mentioned to me that, that perhaps we should say at least something about the film of Raintree County, since some people will have seen the movie and not read the book. That would apply, I think, to, to most people. Um, my father received the MGM Award in 1947, a huge amount of money for his time, and um, promptly wrote a letter to Louis B. Mayer telling him how to make a movie. Uh, <laughs> the, it, it seems this knocked uh, Mayer's hat off. Uh, who is this uh, yokel from Indiana telling him how to make a movie. My father was worried that Raintree County would be uh, turned into a, a very corny production. Uh, he proved to be a true prophet. <laughs> the, uh, the novel was shelved after my father's death in early 48 and um, dusted off again some eight years later. Uh, Edward Dimitrik, who never read Raintree County, was the uh, director. Uh, the film uh, screen, the screenplay, was um, given to Millard Kaufman, who was the creator of Mr. Magoo. Uh, so this attempt at the great <laughs> American novel was handed <laughs> off to the creator of, of Mr. Magoo. I think he did a, a better job on the latter. Um, the... Um, uh, my family and I went down to uh, Kentucky, uh, Danville, Kentucky, to watch some of the filming in the summer of 56. Uh, uh, Indiana was thought not to look enough like Indiana uh, <laughs> in, the, in the mid 20th century, and Hoosiers were really griped when they decided to film this in, in Kentucky. Uh, the, we, we get down there, I, I meet the stars, I can hear Monty Cliff's jaw clicking because he was still recovering from a ne nearly fatal car accident at the time um, and was uh, carried around a, a bag of pills, said to be painkillers. Uh, neither he nor Liz Taylor uh, knew, knew the lines. Uh, and um, the first afternoon we were there they were filming a, a scene in this river and Liz uh, Taylor is running off shrieking while Monty Cliff is awkwardly stumbling after her. My younger brother, Terry Ross, was looking for tadpoles downstream and he screams out, Mom, is that acting? <laughs> and Edward Dimitrik said, cut. <laughs> and Liz Taylor came over to my uh, brother and said, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> well, there, it was an open question as to whether it was acting, and we could hear members of the crew for the next uh, few days muttering, Mom, is that acting? Uh, Liz Taylor <laughs> did get the, uh, uh, her first Academy Award nomination of, uh, for her uh, portrayal of Susanna Drake. And, uh, well, John Green's uh, score was, I, I think, pretty pretty good, but um, the, the critics 
panned it. Um, one is saying that um, uh, to say that the film Braintree County um, is uh, feels like a, a, a snail's pace is to insult the snail. <laughs> I was sitting right behind Liz Taylor um, and uh, Mike Todd at the premiere of the of the film and four uh, four hours later it peters out and there's no applause in the theater and i hear mike todd leaning over to liz taylor and he says it's your movie it's your movie <laughs> and, and certainly certainly it was um liz taylor's <laughs> movie she said she learned to chew up a lot of scenery um, when um, my father's cousin mary jane ward author of the snake pit saw the film um, in, in 1957, she said, well, at least her cousin, Ross Lockridge Jr., had been spared this in taking his own life uh, two months after publication of his assault on the great American novel and Mount Parnassus. So um, I, um, um, had, I wrote up a, a biography of my father, uh, Shade of the Rain Tree, first published in uh, 1994. Uh, and um, uh, I had never thought I would write an, a novel. Uh, perhaps writing the biography cleared me of this association because why would I wish to write a novel when in my family a, a, a person who tried and tried to write the great American novel uh, killed himself two months after publication. This wasn't much of an incentive, I think. <laughs> uh, so, but um, eventually I'm sitting there with a large archive of, of stuff on the state of Indiana and New Harmony, Indiana, site of two early 19th century utopias. And um, I say to myself, well, maybe I should give it a try, write some novels, but um, maybe not so long, maybe not 1,060 pages. I decided to write short novels, uh, short satiric novels that would draw more on the voice of the professor in Raintree County, the, the skeptic, the cynic, um, uh, the joker, uh, the Mephistophelian figure, and um, less on John uh, Wycliffe Shaughnessy, the idealist. But at the same time, I didn't wish simply to write uh, more dystopian novels. We have plenty of them. And so I, I clung on to enough of the idealist um, um, to uh, produce affirmative satire, I think. And um, I, I hope um, readers might uh, find it uh, to be such in this dark season. One of the um, uh, readers of your uh, novels uh, compared you to Voltaire, which of course is a very flattering uh, comparison. Uh, not off the mark in the sense that I think even in your depiction of Raintree County, there's, there's a kind of um, uh, uh, taking pleasure, I suppose, is one way to put it, uh, in the absurdities of life. Uh, you have... Um, you have a, um, how can I put this? Um, and now I'm analyzing your character as a biographer is want to do. Um, <laughs> you, you, you have a kind of wry view of um, ideas, idealism, 
the state of society, the nature of human character. Would you disagree with that? No, um, I've, I've heard the word droll yes. applied to my novels and I suppose even to me. Um, yes, uh, I have to say it could go to my head, this notion that I am Voltaire and that my, <laughs> that my novel Out of Wedlock is my candide. I, I don't have any problem with that, except that it could lead to megalomania. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, it is. Um, it's, I would say it's not a savage, savage satire, more Horatian and um, juvenilian to be academic. Um, and uh, but not gentle to the point that I think there isn't a dark underbelly to all four of the novels of the so-called Enigma Quartet. Yeah, maybe you could say a little bit about that, uh, that it is a quartet. What, they're, they're separate narratives. You can read the novel separately. Uh, I reviewed The Woman in Green for The New York Sun when I was writing about your biography of your father and also about Raintree County. So one can pick up any one of these novels and it makes sense by itself. But uh, clearly by calling them a quartet, you feel there's something, uh, there's an interlocking uh, mechanism there. Yes, uh, apart from their being satiric and short, the, uh, they all feature a very small cast of characters, um, seven or eight, so that people wouldn't have so much trouble keep, keeping track of who is doing what. And uh, the, um, uh, they have a, a common, a collective goal. Somebody told me that I had uh, rediscovered the formula of the television show Friends uh, because um, these small groups of, of people uh, stick together through thick and thin. There are various romantic interests that come from without, but uh, usually the alignments are within, even ending in marriages um, and in that in that sense um, uh, I, there there is a, a, a common thread or structure or narrative pattern I think in the in the in the four novels we go from uh, forest to pathos to uh, renewed hope I, I think at the end of all of them I, I suppose that's a spoilers alert yeah you mentioned that um, uh, you wrote the woman in green first and yet, it was the 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 uh, it was the last novel published in the quartet, right? Uh, yes, it, it was the, um, the the closest to the biography. That is, um, I speak of it as indirectly a um, an homage to Raintree County. I I don't know what my father would 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 think of it. I'd prefer not to think of that. But um, yes, it's um, um, the the characters climb in a balloon near the end and uh, are whisked off to the mythical Raintree County uh, uh, where they have visions of characters uh, both in the novel but also in the movie. Um, Liz Taylor and Monty Cliff make cameo appearances. Even Mary Saint uh, is invoked. The, uh, and um, uh, so it, it builds on um, material that my father left and also my grandfather uh, Ross Sr. who was known as Mr. Indiana because he would go all over the state of Indiana um, doing what he called historic site recitals. Uh, he was a windbag of sorts and he would uh, he would resurrect the, 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 the greats, uh, the giants in the earth from the 
great state of Indiana where, you know, there are so many heroes lurking under beneath. And um, uh, it's, um, he um, was um, chair of the New Harmony Commission in Indiana back in the 30s and uh, asked my father to write a pageant, a pageant of, of um, New Harmony, the Golden Rain Tree, uh, which my father tossed off in a couple of weeks in blank verse. The thing is uh, still performed from time to time, but my father said he uh, would not go and he didn't, never saw it. Um, he, uh, in fact, said that he would happily give $50 to buy the thing back. But I, I put it at the center of a dramatic fiasco in The Woman in Green, directly quoting from my, <laughs> uh, from my father's uh, pageant of the Golden Rain Tree, uh, which is the story of these two utopias, 19th century utopias, one religious, uh, the other secular, uh, both fail, but in a, in a sense, you know, the spirit of utopia lingers on. Uh, Marguerite Young was the first person I interviewed for my biography, and she said that, um, well, she knew my grandfather and, and said that people weep when they go to New Harmony and, and think of lost utopias. So <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Um, that novel, The Woman in Green, is set in 2050. Uh, and predictions about 2050, if you believe in climate change, the world is not going to be in very good shape. Yes, the, um, the, the, the speaker, the narrator of The Woman in, in Green uh, is speaking from the year 2050, looking back, wishing he were writing to people in the year 2025 and um, uh, telling them, you know, what to avoid. Can we, uh, can you save the planet? Um, it, it's really an ecological novel. In, in, in that sense, because um, uh, he looks out on a, on a, a landscape, which is now a seascape, uh, because of global warming, and says, is there not a way we can call this whole thing off? And in that sense, he, he calls himself a prophet of the past. But it's, um, uh, I, of course, I leave it up in the air. I have to say that even, uh, even so, I, I produce a, a relatively happy ending, a, a Jocko serious ending, as Joyce might put it. Uh, it's, um, this is a novel whose theme, and each of the novels has a, has a major theme, hardly being a thesis, but four or five of the characters, including a depressed turtle, uh, contemplate suicide. <laughs> uh, but uh, happily, all these suicides are averted. Uh, quite unlike uh, the case of my father. And um, uh, at the end, well, once again, a spoiler alert, but the narrator contemplates suicide, but then gets a kick in the shin uh, by his mother's uh, ghost, telling him to cheer up, dude, and he decides to go on living. So I've given the whole thing away. You don't have to read it. <laughs> well, the other thing that, that strikes me to talk about one of the other novels, The Cardiff Giant, I was looking, I was looking at the uh, description on Amazon of the novel um, uh, about this Cardiff Giant who's discovered and how the novel deals with things like alien abduction, astrology, Kabbalistic numerology, New Age rebirthing, and religious dogmas, and so on. Um, it, it seems to me all of these novels, in some way or other, are about 
um, <clears throat> certainly ut utopian ideas, uh, and also, in a sense, ideologies, which, um, and I suppose this is true of most, maybe all ide ide ideologies, taking to their extreme, they are absurd. Yes, the, 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 the novel, that uh, the first I published, The, the Card of Giant, is um, a satire of human gullibility. Uh, and human gullibility in many forms. I think I have, have in mind maybe the 74 million voters who think that the last election was legitimate. Maybe that, yeah. uh, but that's in the background. But um, meanwhile, the various characters all subscribe to one or another notion. One lives her life strict strictly according to the Kabbalah, for example, uh, another according to New Age um, um, truisms. Um, um, another uh, believes all of the, uh, all the uh, notions about um, uh, the, the, um, the giant, uh, the flat foot giant. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's a, uh, a satire, as I say, of human uh, gullibility, these uh, people, though, the gulls, um, pay for their beliefs, and that's the source of the, the comedy. But I don't leave it there. The, uh, it's, it's easy to unravel or to have people pay for, mightily for their mistaken notions. But the skeptic, uh, the skeptics in the novel uh, don't come off, off much better. Um, they are prone to irrationality and uh, um, one of them pretty much loses his mind. Um, uh, so in the end, it's, um, once again, I managed to have a semi-happy happy ending as um, um, uh, there, is, um, there are remedies uh, available. Uh, people can, to an extent, change. So you range over time you also range over geography, not, not just American uh, geography, but uh, we get onto Cyprus as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very different sort of, um, in thinking about Raintree County, uh, in the biography of a single writer, um, we talked in the last podcast about Raintree County as being encyclopedic. And it seems to me you're going uh, certainly beyond the, uh, the boundaries of Raintree County and taking on, in a sense, the world itself? Well, I, I, um, I, I know that uh, novelists uh, need to know enough to write the novel. Um, I, I gave a copy of this um, novel, the second novel I published, The Great Cyprus Think Tank, to the General Council of Cyprus last month and, and told him that I knew more about Cyprus uh, than Kafka knew about America, and, <laughs> uh, and that he should take it with a grain of salt, of course. Yeah. And he hasn't got back to me yet, but he said he would read it with pleasure, I hope. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, I visited um, um, Cyprus in 2010, not thinking I was going to write a, a novel, um, and, um, um, and ended up, though, thinking that uh, this is a microcosm of virtually everything um, on the planet that is of promise. Um, the, the, the great myth of Aphrodite, for example, um, Aphrodite's birthplace was Cyprus. Um, 
it's a, a, a beautiful place, but it is also the scene of ethnic turmoil, of desertification, of global warming, raising the sea levels, threatening the sea turtles. Um, so uh, Bart Beasley, the narrator, who is um, a writer of midlist cultural memoirs, uh, forms a think tank uh, sponsored by the Soros Foundation, and they they go abroad and, and try to fix the island. Uh, uh, there are limited successes, um, or seeming great successes for a time, but um, I leave clues. Uh, uh, there's a plot afoot uh, to, um, uh, to undercut all of uh, these, these uh, good, in, good intentions. Uh, it's, a, um, uh, it's a novel that um, I think would um, be, um, uh, you know, apropos today in, 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 in many ways. Uh, but there again, I, um, I don't presume to be a prophet of, um, of Cyprus. The think tank strikes me as another kind of sort of utopian activity. Um, yes, in that sense, it does echo the, the woman in, in green. And um, uh, the utopia of, um, for example, the Oneida community, the Oneida Mansion House, um, uh, provides the the setting for the the uh, both the beginning and the very end of uh, the the Cypress think tank. This was the Oneida community, which practiced polyamory. Uh, Noyce, the, the founder, had. 13 children by 13 different women. Um, and um, the whole community uh, practice, uh, the first programmatic um, eugenics program in the United States, um, uh, beating out Hitler by, by many years. Um, and that's the, um, that's the scene for the, um, uh, this utopian community. Of course, the, um, Oneida community eventually um, disappeared, however, leaving their, their wonderful mansion house. Um, I should add, by the way, that all the, um, all four of the novels are, have artwork done by the artist Marsha Scanlon, who did, yeah, the, marvelous. Who did yeah. the all four uh, book jackets, but also um, illustrative drawings throughout each novel. Uh, and um, um, the, uh, anyway, the, the, the United um, Community House is a spooky place. Uh, very few people stay there because it's said to be haunted. Hmm. But we've yeah, been, yeah. I was thinking about um, Raintree County, your biography of your father, and we spoke specifically about the women in green as a kind of response uh, to Raintree County. But I'm thinking about the novel's themes, that is Raintree County's themes, and this quest for the ideal, and this utopian idea, and how, how intense that becomes. One of the things that I find attractive about the novel is this kind of quest that no matter how, how much uh, the, uh, the cynical professor um, downplays and is skeptical of things like New Harmony, um, the search persists. 
uh, into, in your, your case, in one novel, into 2050. And uh, I'd have to really um, work this out in more detail than I've been able to do um, to look upon this quartet as um, a way to do things. Um, it's not biography, obviously, but it's a way to do things that a, that a biography and your biography specifically, your father, couldn't do and that the fiction released you to do, if that makes any sense. Yes, the, as you know, a, a biographer is sometimes said ideally uh, to be a storyteller on oath. Yeah. When I um, um, turned to fiction, I was no longer on oath. And so that freed me up. I could just make stuff up. Um, and um, to that ex extent, yes, it, it was less laborious than writing a 500-page biography where I had to find evidence for, for everything. At the same time, I, I do believe from my own experience of one novelist that the novelist um, um, can't make everything up. That is, for example, the locale of Cyprus I had to know rather intimately the locale of New Harmony. Um, also something having to do with representation of human nature, of human behavior, mimesis, that, that re requires some degree of fidelity to, uh, to human uh, reality. In other words, there are limits to, uh, to how much the novelist can make up, uh, I would argue even in science fiction. Uh, I might say something about the other novel we haven't. Yeah, please about, do. Yeah. Out of out of wedlock. Um, uh, this is a satire on this notion, still fashionable, that we should all be reinventing ourselves. And uh, this is it's the only novel I know in which the protagonist is a facial plastic surgeon. Now, <laughs> I uh, this. It just occurred to me, uh, shouldn't a novel about um, personal identity have as its narrator a facial plastic surgeon who is the inventor <laughs> of new identities? Yeah. This particular plastic surgeon doesn't know his own identity, his own biological parents. He was thrown um, in, into the adoption system, the uh, foster child. Um, and part of the uh, plot um, is a, a search for his biological parents, a topic he, he avoids for the most part, but is finally driven to. And, but but um, it's the old nature versus nurture um, conundrum. And um, the novel, as I constructed it, um, it comes out in favor of nature. That is, we are we are born with proclivities. It's it's not a blank slate. Uh, we um, uh, this is hardly to um, to dismiss upbringing as a as, as a factor, but um, the um, the child who is a, a reckless toddler will also be um, a reckless driver. And um, uh, so as this plot develops, uh, we, we see people who try to change their identities. The plastic surgeon and, uh, and Jess Freeman um, is um, 
bungles a lot of his surgeries uh, in a comic sense, I hope. Of course, in real life, it's a <laughs> terrible prospect. But uh, lots of his surgeries are bungled. He gets malpractice suits. But there, um, there was a, a one patient, um, a woman who falls off a horse, is brutally uh, beaten beaten up. Um, over a year, he does, though, a, a, a job transforming her into a rare beauty and who in, uh, launches her own uh, line of beauty products. Um, the, um, um, in the end, though, spoiler alert, um, well, uh, plastic surgery can fall apart. And uh, maybe one, uh, in a sense, begins to yearn for the self one gave up. Uh, this is not to suggest we can't change. The, the, the novels all suggest a degree of change, but there are, uh, there are limits to what we can change into and our best imaginings for ourselves. Um, so it's a, um, it was fun to um, research facial plastic surgery. I'm getting back to this idea of verisimilitude in reality. I did, yeah. I did not rely on the on the net, the worldwide misinformation highway. I checked 10 or 11 huge textbooks out of the Bope's library here at NYU. And I, I, I spent months reading up on <laughs> plastic <laughs> surgery. So I, uh, my, the surgeon in my novel uh, throws around the vocabulary in a comic sense, of course. And um, it, in fact, I know nothing about plastic surgery, you might say. I don't know how to hold a scalpel. Uh, I'd faint at the sight of blood, but uh, <laughs> it's, um, it, it's fun. I, I like, enjoy taking on um, foreign vocabularies. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so that, that was a lot of fun. It's, uh, uh, I suppose it's a, it's a romp. Uh, out, out of wedlock, and um, eventually, uh, Jess Freeman, the surgeon, uh, comes to recognitions about um, human identity and what can be changed and what cannot. You mentioned, uh, or I should say, uh, one of the readers of your novel mentioned its manic energy. I think that's true of all the books. Hmm. They have a tremendous amount of energy in them. I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. Well, I was I was thinking again of your father, mm -hmm. and and the 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 your your father certainly had a manic side. Yes, he he did for better or worse. It, it presented as uh, grandiosity. I think I've learned the uh, the lesson not to not to let anything really go to my head in that way. Mm. But um, I, when I was writing these uh, novels, I I did find that kind of of energy. Um, whether I can find it again for another quartet remains to be seen. Yeah. I wonder also your decision to write shorter novels. Mm -hmm. um, when you, your father put everything in one bag, so to speak, one roll of the dice. Um, and you haven't done that. Yeah. He, he felt he had said it all. He had nothing to, else to say. He felt like an empty sack after he had finished the novel. Uh, and um, it's um, uh, yes, the I, I ever since 1948. Well, I grew up with a, a novel instead of a father. I was five when he died, and um, it's um, 
the, the novel is rarely read, I think, these days, if, if only because of its length, 1,060 pages. Who has time for that? And certainly the, the new generation of readers um, uh, lacks time uh, to read a novel that long. So um, I, it's not that the Raintree County is um, cast into oblivion just yet, but um, it, it just hangs on, in part because Ted Turner's people keep dragging out that, <laughs> that 1957 costumer and um, it's there's also an audio book people can listen that's, to it. that's right um, um, uh, 35 hours I believe of yeah of Braintree County so yeah. it's a um, uh, it, it was too long and uh, this is in uh, writing shorter novels was in recognition of the um, limited attention span that um, people have today. All four of these novels could be safely tucked into one Dickens novel. I've thought yeah. of um, having them republished, in fact, as a single volume, a, a one a single plump volume, including, of course, the, the illustrative drawings of Marcia Scanlon. Uh, but that's um, a project uh, yet to be undertaken. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. What should I have asked you that I, I didn't think to ask? Uh, well, let's uh, let's see. You've, um, I've already answered the question of what next, which is the yeah uh, that uh, that haunts uh, writers of uh, what what to do next, and uh, of that I'm not not sure. But um, uh, as as for what you uh, should have asked, I think we'll just leave that up to the listener, what should you ask? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that we, we already have quite a few listeners for the first podcast. Right. I uh, got off to got off to a very fast start. Right. Well, um, I'll come back if I write some more novels. How's that? Yeah. But I have and, to say and, that I did toy with the idea of writing another biography after oh, Shade of the Green uh -huh. Tree. I, uh, Glenn Gould, I thought I might write a biography. Oh, yeah. Glenn Gould. And uh, I started to collect materials. And then I just backed away. I, uh, in, in a sense, my father was, at least for me, a hard act to follow. And yeah. unlike, unlike you, Carl, I am not a straight <laughs> biographer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm incurable, <laughs> or some it's, people would it's, say it's, hopeless. It's a it's it's not a bad infirmity. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there you have it, Larry. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure. Um, I have it in mind. I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe at some point we're both longtime members of the NYU New York University Biography Seminar. And I'm sure you have memories um, that might be worth talking about. And I know I have a few, including the day when we were eating at the Grand Ticino and the ceiling, ceiling fell in mm -hmm. uh, and deposited a bunch of debris on um, Fred Carl's plate. <laughs> <laughs> a fellow biographer of Faulkner, by the way. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, a very good good biography biographer of Faulkner. So you might just tuck that away and think about it. if you have five or six choice memories that you want to share with the world. Um, I'm sure I could, I could match at least some of them. We might, we might do that in a future podcast. Well, I, I think that's a, a fine idea. And if I can't remember any, I can just make them up. Remember, well, that's true. Remember, too. I'm yeah, no yeah. longer um, a storyteller on oath. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, me too. Once once you start remembering things, you start inventing things. <laughs> okay. Very well, thanks a lot, Larry. Very good. I will again. I will post the link and I'll send it to you and I'll put it on social media and we'll go from there. It's a deal. Okay. Thank you, Carl. Thanks, Larry. Bye bye. Bye bye.